Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everybody. Cheryl Atkinson here. Welcome to another edition of Full Measure After Hours. Today, I speak with Marion County, Florida Sheriff Billy Woods, where one of the most horrific violent crimes committed by children is getting ready to go to trial. As I began looking into America's juvenile crime wave, a fitting place to go seemed to be Marion County, Florida. That's where a really horrific crime was committed last year. It's getting ready to go to trial pretty soon here. In this case, there were apparently six children driving around in a car, according to officials, trying to figure out who they might rob to be able to buy marijuana. Well, it ends up that three of the children shot execution-style three of the other children and dumped their bodies. And these bodies were being discovered over the course of the next day or day and a half. Actually, one of the young girls that was found initially was still breathing but later passed away. And one of the shooters was 12 years old. And according to the sheriff in Marion County, Billy Woods, maybe one of the most shocking things, at least to him, was that when these boys were caught and charged, the 12-year-old, he says, showed absolutely no remorse. Now, of course, they haven't been to trial yet, but the idea that they wouldn't be more upset, whether innocent or guilty of this crime, there doesn't seem to be any denial that they were all together uh, the night that this happened, but the affect or the emotions the lack of emotions shown by this 12-year-old was really something as far as the sheriff was concerned. And it turns out that across the country, children are increasingly committing and becoming victims in serious crimes. The latest numbers I had found put out by the FBI when I started looking into this were more than three years old. I'm not sure why they can't be a little more updated. But even three years ago, in 2020, actually coming on four years ago, these numbers by the FBI show that murders committed by a juvenile were up 30% and murders involving more than one juvenile up 65%. And I could read you all kinds of more recent statistics from local governments and states because if you do a search online, you'll see that this is being discussed as a problem in so many different places like Montgomery County, Maryland, where they say juvenile violent crime went up 329% in 2023. Well, all of this is the topic of my full measure cover story on Sunday, January 28th. And in today's podcast, you're going to hear an extended interview that I did with Marion County, Florida Sheriff Billy Woods, who's put a lot of thought into this problem and has a lot of ideas about what's gone wrong and what should be done about it. Here's Sheriff Woods. This is my second term, so I'm going on my eighth year. We have four-year terms. 
Can you, in brief form, summarize juvenile crime trends you've seen as sheriff? What's happened here? Well, I'll give you a little as sheriff, the trend, not just sheriff, but as an officer where I previous worked before becoming sheriff, it has increased over the years, you know, slowly, sadly. Uh, juveniles are beginning to, well, know that there's no accountability to what they do, to their actions from small. It could be small crimes. It could be very large crimes like we've had here in Marion and, and which is going on across. So it's increased. And, and I, at, I look at it and, and the way from my view for I'm going on 34 years in law enforcement and it truly boils down to the accountability. Not just from any one particular entity. And I said this way back in April whenever uh, we had that triple homicide is the fact that our home, our family unit has degraded. Okay. Um, it is degraded for whatever reasons. Single parents, male or female, uh, because uh, people that say, oh, it's just the female that has a single family. That's not true. We in law enforcement come across uh, just as many uh, fathers that are single uh, family units. But the fact is, is, is that that has been destroyed or it is degrading is a better way to put it. And the accountability and, and what else that I have seen. And, and especially in the family unit is where we victimize the actual wrongdoer. Parents will blame everybody else for their kids' actions. Well, no, regardless of the wrongdoing, they blame everybody else except for their own child and don't hold them accountable. And combined with that is our school systems. Now, the school systems, districts, and I'm not singling out any one particular district, School districts have a tendency to be extremely forgiving or they say, well, we give punishment. We suspend them. We um, kick them. I don't want to say kick them out of school, but they uh, get rid of them out of particular school. And I want to say, really? How many suspension for a kid? Think about this for a minute for a kid. And you got to think like a kid. You're going to suspend me from school. That means I have to spend the day at home and not have to be in a classroom. You think that's punishment to a kid? No, it's not. Um, and, and those particular areas, along with our juvenile justice system, within our court systems uh, of holding them accountable, you know, because I promise you, and, and I know what we're about to discuss is our triple homicide. You look at each of those kids, those juveniles. It ain't the first time they've done something wrong. It's They've done other things wrong, and they don't do that again. Don't do that again. Well, before we speak about that in detail, did there used to be more accountability for juveniles? Did the law used to be stricter on them? Or this spike in juvenile crime over time is a reflection of these other factors, like you say, deteriorating family units? The law hasn't changed drastically. I think it is all these other factors. Those is has what's changed. Okay. Um, and I'll give an example of myself. Man, in school, I feared, I did not fear getting the paddling. Okay. Uh, that's one of the failures in the school system is they got rid of the paddling of when a kid did something wrong. What I feared is my father finding out what I did wrong. And I'd take that paddling every day 
as many times as I could without ever my dad finding out when I got home. And not that my dad was some mean individual, but he believed in discipline and made me who I am today, both my mom and my dad. Think about this for a minute. Now, I know there's probably some city folks that ain't ever experienced this, but you know what I feared of my mother when I got in trouble? When she told me to go get a switch, okay, I dare not bring back a tiny little switch because the punishment was going to be a whole lot worse if I did. Uh, and those are the things that, that I think it's a combination of those. It's not necessarily the laws. It seems like in the past decade or more, law enforcement and the courts, the system has determined with data that seem to back them up that when you do tough things to juveniles, it just makes certain they will continue to commit crimes. And if you lock them up, that's their destiny for the future. But if you work with them and maybe, as you say, forgive them or don't punish them as harshly, that was supposed to provide better outcomes. <laughs> really? Then why do we have the problems that we have right now? If that's what's been implemented and that's what's been occurring, okay, throughout not just the state of Florida, but it's been occurring, occurring throughout this nation. So if that's the case, and if all that data that supposedly supports it, mm, I, I can give you a list just here locally in my county, a list of individuals where that is not the case. When we're looking at the triple murder that happened in April, or triple homicide, I'm not, they were all charged with murder? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, first degree. When did you first sense or know that these were juveniles involved, not just as victims, but in committing the crimes? Pretty much immediately. Um, you know, in, in all cases, that uh, violent cases, shootings, law enforcement pretty much knows who, right off the bat, the individual that commits the crime. Very rarely do we, is it an unknown, because we get enough information, we get enough tips that points us in the right direction. And everything that we're given is, well, how to, best way to put it, it's where there's smoke, there's fire. So we pretty much know the individuals. We know that we're dealing with juveniles. Obviously, the victims, we know how old they were right off the map. But when it comes to the suspects, because of the information, it, what becomes difficult, though, making the charge is getting the evidence to connect the two pieces. When I looked at the mugshots, one of the kids in particular, he looked like a baby and his face just looked so young. I don't know. When you see that, what are the thoughts that go through your head as a law enforcement official? You know, it, it breaks your heart. You know, regardless of what people think, the uniform which we wear, the, the badges in which we have, we're not, if I was to open up my shirt, it doesn't have an S on my T-shirt underneath me, okay? Um, it, it is, it breaks your heart, especially for us that are parents ourselves. I, I myself as a father, it breaks your heart. You know, you look in the eyes, I looked in the eyes of the mother of that 12-year-old, and it break, broke my heart down deep inside to knowing the struggles in which she's going through. And as a parent, hearing her, what she does, and, and, you know, they were there for the interviews, the parents, the mothers, I should say. Mothers were there for the interviews. And to watch those mothers push their kid to do the right thing was incredible, to be frank, sadly that it had to be a circumstance like this. Um, it, it makes you wonder 
as law enforcement, as what we see, what is the world going to turn out to be beyond us? Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Can you summarize that crime, the April triple homicide? What really happened there? Um, what had been planned, what they had been working on that night, um, which part of the um, evidence that we have is one of the victims videotaping. But they had planned on robbing an individual, armed, committing an armed robbery. The male subject that was one of our uh, victims um, he had on uh, a mask and, and other things that uh, supported that. So their plan was to rob an individual, but one of the other three defendants was wanting the firearm that they had, uh, that the male had in there. Uh, not It is unclear as what occurred uh, between the conversation, because obviously you got three, only three people given what was said uh, specifically. But they wanted it. Uh, so at that point, that's when they had a gun and then they killed the individual, uh, the male subject, the male juvenile. And because that you have a witness, uh, the driver, which would be in a female, um, they then shot her. The individual that was in the trunk, um, oddly, uh, for whatever reason, this was common for her to ride in the trunk. Uh, she was videotaping what was occurring or Snapchatting. Um, I'm not up to date on a lot of that stuff, the apps that they use out here. Uh, but what was occurring because she was bragging of what they were about to do. They were about to commit a lick. In their language, a lick is an armed robbery. But because she was a witness, uh, it's what the defendants, each of the defendants said is one of them told the 12 year old, to shoot the one in the trunk because she was a witness and kill her and get rid of her. So this was all, they were all part of the same gang and yes. they had a dispute among them. Yes. Yeah. And, and uh, I said it last year, there's no honor among thieves. And that's exactly what you had here. So for the 12, that 12 year old was the youngest one charged in this crime. Mm -hmm. Correct. What did you make out happen? They pulled over the car and what, as far as you can tell, handed the gun to him, someone handed the gun to him and he. Yes. Um, for what we have is one of them handed the 12 year old a gun, uh, and then instructed him to shoot, uh, her in the trunk. And he did. He made the choice, decision to shoot. Now, at some point, 
um, where it, it, it's unclear outside of what we physical the physical evidence we have. Uh, the one body was dumped at the near the dumpster or at a different location. The vehicle then was taken to where the pond or lake, whoever you want to describe it here, uh, and then left there with uh, her in the trunk as well. You said that these kids had done things before. Mm. Do you remember some of the other? Were they known to law enforcement? And do you remember what they had done before? No, I don't off the top of my head. I wish it did. I wish I had your uh, the information for you, but I don't. Um, but they had been involved uh, in, I, I do know, in, in like burglaries or thefts and that types of items. Um, everybody wanted a picture, especially the, the first victim, female victim, um, wanted a painter. Like a lot of cases where they paint the individual as some good kid. Okay. Um, the fact is, is no, none of them were, not just her, all six. They were wrong. That's what they do. That's what they did. They were out. All six of them were going to commit a robbery. Whether you're the driver sitting in the back seat or witnessing the thing, you're just as guilty as any the one actually committing the crime itself. You're participating. So every single one of them were criminals. Was the 12-year-old related to anybody else? Any of the other? No. What, how did he get mixed up? Who he associates with friends. And if you look, that's what happens. Both you and I, in our lives, we made conscious decisions of who we would associate with. And that's one of the things that's also occurring is I personally, just Billy Woods, parents are not paying attention to whom their kids are hanging out with. Go hang out here. Go hang out. Do this. Midnight, one in the morning. Hell, my boys never were in. They were home in bed. Not running the streets at one in the morning. And that's part of the problem. When we look at the nationwide concern over rise in juvenile crime, what do you think is the answer? What do you see as the near-term future? And what should people think or do about it? <laughs> you know, um, I think I hit on it. I, I already hit it. Accountability. We have to change that. And I'm going to hit on the, the one thing that I know that the people want to target. And it's an object. Object has nothing to do with it. We don't want to find the true cause of a problem. Because in this scenario, the triple homicide, they they're not even supposed to possess. You have a law in place that they're not even supposed to possess a firearm. And what we would, the next thing we want to do is create another law that says you can't have this gun. Do you really think the criminals out here give even two sense about what law you put in place. They are going to obtain, get, have a handgun and obtain it any which way they can. You're not going to prevent it by doing it. What you're going to do by preventing it is clean up the family in which that's probably the most difficult thing for us to do as a society. Because who am I to tell you how to raise your kids? I know what's the smart thing. I know what's the right thing. You know, I, I look at it also in a spiritual way you know where we failed in schools and i have a hard time believing this is when we took prayer out of school now i i so i defend the constitution of the united states but i i fail to understand where we take something good out of a uh out of a school and make it bad and that's what we're doing we're turning something good into something bad 
And we need to focus, put our focus back on doing what is right in society and right in the world. And that's what parents, families need to do, along with our school systems. School systems need to stand up stronger. Hold, we need to hold parents more accountable. And because sometimes parents are, parents want to be friends to their kids rather than to be a parent. And what the future holds, I don't know. I, I, I wish I had a little ball that could tell us what to do, where to go, how to change this. I don't have no immediate solutions. I do know if we don't change, it's only going to get worse. What do you think will happen? What is most likely to happen to these three boys? What's most likely? They're going to be convicted. They're going to face. It's hard to say. Personally, you know, I got to be careful, but uh, they need the full extent of the law. Because I'm here to tell you, let me, let me, I sat and watched the interviews. Now, I wasn't in the interview. I watched it through video, okay, while it was being conducted. There was zero remorse. There was zero concern of the actions in which each of them did. They thought nothing, nothing of taking a human life. Even the 12-year-old. The 12-year-old, having two boys... When you know, as a parent, they've done something wrong. So when you go to get after them, to discipline them, or to get out what they did out of them, you can tell when the kid breaks. You can tell when your child knows they've done something wrong and they sincerely know that they've done something wrong. As a parent, I know it. Because they will begin to bawl, they will begin to cry, and they beg, I'm so sorry, this 12-year-old. No. Cried once when we finally got the question answered. And then when the question was switched, those tears dried up just like that. Now, when my boys' tears dried up, I knew they didn't understand a thing, freaking thing that I just told them. They deserve exactly what the law says they deserve in punishment. Because they have no regard, no concern for another human life. And all three of them took three human lives from this planet. Are they entitled to leniency or shorter sentences because they were juveniles? No. Okay. So they're going to be treated like adults. Correct. They've been adjudicated or they will be tried as adults. All three of them will be um, like they should be. So they could be in prison for life. That's exactly right. At minimum. And truthfully, that's where they should be. Potential death penalty? Yep. It's, a, it's on the table. Has the juvenile ever been convicted of? Or no, and there's death? probably limitations in statutes that the uh, prosecutors are here in the state of Florida in regards to that. If you're interested in this topic, I hope you will check out my other podcast this week, the Cheryl Ackeson podcast, where I'm interviewing the grandmother of one of the victims. And I also speak with a young man, unrelated to all of this, but who himself got mixed up in all kinds of crime at age 15. He's going to tell us why he thinks he got in it and how he got out. To watch my full measure cover story on this topic, Sunday, January 28th, you can go to CherylAggison.com and click the full measure tab to see a list of stations and times to watch near you on TV, or just go to fullmeasure.news on Sundays at about 9.31, 9.32 a.m. Eastern Time, where we will feed that show to you and you can watch it there online. And then we post it 
about noon on Sundays. It'll remain there all week and forevermore if you'd like to search for it if you're listening to this after January 28th at fullmeasure.news. Also on January 28th, I have a fascinating story from Cuba. I went to Cuba's capital of Havana and looked into the reports you may remember a couple of years ago about a supposed mysterious secret weapon that supposedly the Cubans were deploying against U.S. diplomats. It was supposedly secretly and visibly damaging their brains, and then pretty soon sort of a hysteria broke out and U.S. diplomats and government officials from all around the world were reporting this syndrome, and it was given a name, Havana Syndrome. Congress even passed a law to compensate for it. Now, it had never even been proven to exist scientifically. This is where the science gets so interesting, what we decide to accept and not accept in terms of science, depending on what our government wants us to think. But they called it Havana Syndrome, passed a law to give compensation for it, and then came out kind of quietly in the last year or so. Our government did and acknowledged there's really no evidence any of that was ever true. Well, I'm off to Havana on this Sunday, January 28th, to report on a scientist there, a top scientist, who said this from the beginning. He investigated so-called Havana Syndrome, and he's going to tell his story as to what he said and why he thought this syndrome was a ridiculous idea after he began investigating it. And you can see what you think after you hear the story for yourself. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast, and that if you did, you will leave us a great review and share it with your friends and subscribe. And to support independent journalism, visit CherylAckeson.com. Click on the store tab to find some interesting products for independent thinkers like you with proceeds going toward independent reporting, such as the ION Awards for original investigative reporting. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself.